Johnny was a joker and a very heavy smoker And he never ever broke the law Miss Lizzie was a kept very busy And sometimes every Dizzy we knew what for Call the police Hello, welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Black Klansmen. My name is Tom Chick, and I have with me, he's going to explain some of the spelling shenanigans going on here in a moment, yeah, but I, I have with me Christian Mukowski. Did I just hear you use my real name? And with a Black Klansman tagline or two, sometimes we get three of them, we have Kelly Wand. I could totally tell that the director of the film was white by the <laughs> editing. Wait, what? I don't understand that one. Kelly Wand, you have a tagline that me and Dingus might understand. <laughs> Based on the fact that you're going to make me say it again? <laughs> Wait, are you just going do the same tagline again? I didn't understand that one. Why could you tell that the editor of the film was white? Well, the director was white, and I was referencing that in the movie, um, the guy's like, yeah, you, I can tell you're white from your voice. So oh, I, was pretending I see. To be him. Oh, so Kelly so he, that... edit, he edits in both languages. That, yeah. was, that was a bit of a stretch. Kelly Wan, that one, do you have one that, that sort of plays to those of us in the peanut gallery who, who aren't so... Uh, adept at getting inside jokes about the movie. Jaden's best since like Mike. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, do we get Here three we Kelly Wander? Is it just two, a two for this week? Bitch, you're getting four. You're only halfway through the taglines. Sweet. Give me a third. At least his hair's a natural. I don't understand that one. So give me a fourth. What? He calls it a natural. Yes. He says, I'll cut the natural. Tom saw this movie two weeks ago. He remembers nothing from it, I can already tell. That's what's uh, there's, there's better hair stuff in the movie uh, Blind Spotting. It displaced it for, for me. All right, I'm not interested in heroin, but anyway, this is the last one. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan, hit us with the fourth tagline. Warning, Klansman and actual storyline may be Jewish. Oh, hmm. come on. This is – all right, I'm, I'm stopping this recording. <laughs> you guys are fools. That's awesome. We don't necessarily dispute that, Kelly Wan, but let's get a little bit into – Did you not understand that one too? Because uh, Adam Driver is Jewish? Yeah, so it shouldn't be called Black Klansman because he's doing most of the work, really. The other guy's just – Well, you know, phone. we might discuss that in a moment, but hold that thought. <laughs> Well, if you turn out if the, if that's your thesis for why you didn't like it, <laughs> but you didn't get the tagline, I'm gonna Kelly, one we're getting way into the weeds about specifics so. to this movie, so let's have Dingus first tell the listeners some basics, maybe oh. a little bit about what it's about, but things like the name and the cast and the director and the MPAA rating, and then Kelly Wand, I'll get to you. So Dingus, what what did we see this week? Apparently, we saw Black Zimmerman, according to Kelly. Um, With this two week, Z's. This week we saw black, capital K, lowercase K, uppercase K, Landsman, a 2018 American biographical drama comedy movie. Did you guys hear the word comedy in there? Yeah, were you doing a bit? No, it's actually listed as a comedy crime movie. Well, I, the, the course, trailers. I, I mean, yeah, that's that's I'm not surprised that's... the trailer made it look like a laugh riot and like the, 
the servants. Yeah, and they're selling it as a comedy. I'm not that surprised. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. I haven't seen the trailer, so I was surprised to see the word comedy appended to this. So anyway, it's an American biographical drama comedy crime movie about how Cyrano would have acted had he had access to telephone technology. Dingus, could you not tell from the spelling shenanigans that there would be comedic elements? With with three Ks in the word comedy, I might add. And crazy capitalization gimmicks. (laughs) See, that's almost three. I thought that was social commentary with a K. Social commentary can be funny, Dingus. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so uh, who directed this? Who's in it, Dingus? Give us some names. It was directed by Spike Lee. Ah. And it was written by him and and Charlie Wachtel. David Rabinowitz, and Kevin Wilmot, based on the book by Ron Stallworth. It stars John David Washington, mm-hmm. Adam Driver, mm-hmm. Robert John Burke, mm. Laura, Laura Harrier, mm. Corey Hawkins, Jasper Pakonin, Ashley Atkinson, and Ryan Eggold. Is Corey Black- Hawkins the Stoke- Stokely Carmichael actor? Yeah. Okay. All right, carry we, on, Dingus. He, it's Kwame Turi. Come on. How dare you? Uh, Black Klansman is rated R for language throughout, including racial epithets. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an R rating? Okay, I see how the world works. <laughs> Typical yep. horse shit. Language throughout, including racial epithets, Shh. and for disturbing slash, disturbing slash violent material, mm-hmm. and some... Sexual references. Mm-hmm. Oh, please. Kelly Wan, did they miss anything that needs to be appended to those disclaimers? Some uppity behavior on the part of whites and <laughs> improper use of sheets. Okay, very good. Be down, uh, did he? Black Klansman is at 82 on Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews. On Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews that are positive is 96 Oh, on, dare to hate it, racists. On CinemaScore, it gets an A-, minus, <laughs> which is pretty much yeah, it's what most movies get, minus a little. Uh, and it opened at number five with $10 million. It's actually a, a really good opening for Spike Lee, but it came in behind The Meg, Mission Impossible Fallout, Christopher Robin, and Slender Man. <laughs> Slender Man what's, barely beat it by about a, a million. What's Spike Lee's biggest box office hit? Inside uh, Man. Inside Man, yeah. yeah what? That, that's well, what it's I not, hate that It's one. not a Spike Lee movie. It's a Denzel Washington movie. I think that's what you. That's why Inside Man uh, is a box office hit. That movie this, annoys but me. But otherwise, this is this is there's I forget what the other one is that is higher than this, but uh, th- this is solid. Ten million dollar opening weekend is solid for a Spike Lee joint. This is a Washington movie too. I liked Malcolm X a lot. Am I dumb? Well, Kelly Wan, I don't yes. know if you're dumb, but I do know <laughs> that it is now time for you to, to give us a synopsis of what? Black Klansman. Uh, I was bummed Dingus tried to, didn't try to pronounce the movie title the way... I said Black Klansman. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. Like comedy. Right, Tonight. okay. Yeah, 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 no, I remember. I'm dumb. Okay, disregard what I just said. Okay, so how would you say it, Tom? <laughs> Uh, a Black Klansman synopsis. Yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> I mean, at Kelly Wand, all I can say is uh, good luck, and I don't envy your task. It'd be a bit Black Klopsis, Klopsis, Klopsis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, say it again. Black Klopsis, Klopsis, Klopsis. 
What collapses, collapses, collapses? Tonight on Radio 4, the Black Clock collapses. There's some footage from a classic 1930s film. Beside me, Tom Saul. Oh, great, a grandpa movie. <laughs> Beside him, Tom's grandpa's all. Ah, the gray. Shut up, fool. <laughs> That's cute, huh? We all weary of Tom's grandpa and watch the classic scene from Wizard of Oz as Dorothy wanders the destroyed Emerald City after the witch's attack, pestering and stepping on all the wounded extras. <laughs> So the camera holds on a majestic close-up of the Union Jack. Beside me, a hillbilly does a slow clap, stands up, waves his hat, and goes, Yeehaw! Finally something for us! After Alec Baldwin does some improv, some words are all... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Some words are all, hey, yo, a smattering of mo-fucking shit and disjoint is straight up real, yo. Where all the white women at? Exo Spike Lee. Some words are all the 70s, question mark. A black person somehow related to Denzel or Martha walks up to a sign that says, Colorado Police Department, minorities welcomed by most of us except for one officer named Judy Landers. <laughs> the black man fixes his afro carefully. Because he knows the police appreciate long hair carefully groomed. <laughs> Beside me, Ice Cube sons all. Motherfucker, don't even look nothing like Cuba Gooding. Later. What are your feelings about Vietnam? I have mixed feelings, uh, but the war was awesome. Um, <laughs> first movie. Um, I'm also not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> So my name in this is uh, Gary Stallworthington, uh, although I'll, I'll go by Gerald, Gerald or, or person. The black chief is not in the rest of the movies all. Shit. The white ones all. What if one of your fellow officers comes up to you and calls you Jaden? <laughs> wow. Is that going to happen? What if they come up and say, you don't have your father's intensity or charisma? Is that going to happen? Shit. Well... <laughs> You seem confused about whether things will happen. Welcome to the Colorado Police Force. Beside me, Tom Cruise is all. I made a movie with a black person once. I think she now plays a hooker robot on Westworld. So you got to see this in L.A., so Tom Cruise was there. We didn't use her ever again, and instead I dreamed about my wedding day and not having sex with her character. <laughs> but I think one of my colleagues is black. It's Genji? Beside him, Henry Cavill's all. That was really heroic when you beat the Martians by them catching colds. <laughs> Tom Cruise is all. By the way, I loved you as C-3PO. Later. Hey, boy, get me a file folder on a toad. <laughs> I don't have paperwork on toads. I have paperwork on human beings, although toads were used as murder weapons in the 1973 toad farmer killings of Waco. Oh. 
think you're pretty hot shit, boy. Let me tell you something. Uh. He looks confused, then pulls a crumpled sheet of paper out of his pocket with some notes scribbled on them. He squints, reads, chuckles, puts them back in his pocket, sneers at Washington, starts to speak, forgets again, checks the notes again, repockets them, sneers at Washington again, and goes, You ain't! Washington tricks him by using kung fu on the air after he leaves. <laughs> Later. Uh, Chief, I see you're in a meeting with an extra, but I'd like to become an undercover cop. Uh, I can play anything, except Caucasian, obviously. That would be idiotic. Uh, but I do do a wicked Bay Ling. <laughs> you ever want to be undercover? Trying to find stuff in boxes for people without using a light source is a good place to start. That's how Stinky here started. Shit. Just kidding. There's a Black Panther speech later at the Hootenanny Junction. These Wakandans are the greatest threat to humanity since death. Put a wire on you. He pokes the guy from the wire playfully. And uh, you go in and, uh, you know, ask hot girls if they know any good bomb threats. Beside me, Henry Cavill's all, Vanilla Sky! Yeah, Cavill's entire body of work. <laughs> In the movie, Adam Driver's all, I'm not ready. I guess that's just something he says for fun a lot, since they all just keep working and talking like he said nothing. That night, hey cuz, out of sight, brother, damn, jiggy with it, bootylicious, yo, feats don't feel me now, ain't nothing but a thing. Shut up, fool, you get a car. <laughs> If the glove fits, you must acquit. George Bush doesn't care about black people. Hamilton, you maniacs, you blew it up. Why'd I get married, too? Boom goes the dynamite. Woo! <laughs> uh, yes, I'm a black person. Uh, I find you physically attractive. I hear the Black Panther is giving a speech tonight, and I was wondering if you wanted to blow up any white people. Please speak distinctly into this hole in my shirt. <laughs> That ain't his name no more. He, after he went to Africa, he changed it to Mildred Lutz, the third. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You a pig? I don't call cops pigs. Pigs are normal mammals that <laughs> are highly intelligent. Maybe we can get a drink later and also something for you. <laughs> well, there's a dance montage going on at Zodi's. <laughs> later, on a stage with a microphone. And then Wakanda. The vibranium makes Captain America's shield out of you. <laughs> the audience all stands on one foot, turns in a circle, and go, Oopa loopa doopity dee, one with the power, the power to the people, you go in the water, shock in the water. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gary looks around at all the bored faces, surrounded by darkness, and feels transfigured. Out in the van, Adam Driver's Bashimi friend pulls his gun and goes, that's it, uh, I'm going in, cover me. These people are clearly psychotic. Adam Driver's all. I hope Lando kills me in episode nine. <laughs> After the speech, everyone in the audience stands in a line to shake the Black Panther's hand and ask him what he said again. They weren't listening. As Gary comes up, he's all. That was really neat when you said about uh, the walls of hell opening up and drenching the white man in blood and lava till the gateway to Cthulhu opens. But that part about fat ladies in red putting bombs into mailboxes? <laughs> that was all just a metaphor, you know, right? About the Industrial Revolution. Let me tell you something, brother. An Infinity War is coming. 
the Ant-Man may smell <laughs> Wow. Shut up, Dingus. <laughs> I'm a trained speaker. I'm the Black Panther. That's my power. Let me tell you something, Brother Dingus. An Infinity War is coming. The Ant-Man may stay small forever. Stock up on bazookas and morphine. Give a hoot. Don't loot. Thank you for attending. There's some cheese balls and unsigned copies of my book. Kill all the white people. Chili and other kosher alternatives from Mother's Day. Personal journey in the lobby. Goodbye. But Gary gets bored, goes dancing with the girl character at a club, where Spike Lee emphasizes that everyone there knows the lyrics to the song that's playing. <laughs> Later, mm, books in the lobby, and everyone at the club knew all the lyrics. Gentlemen, this sounds worse than I thought. Stinky, get the damnation alley RV on the helipad. Peaches, hand me that grenade. I hereby declare that we're now at war with Wakanda. <laughs> Sir, I think he was just kidding. There was no lobby. Drivers all. I agree. It was more of a foyer. <laughs> all right. Good work, team. We learned nothing, and the girls suspected nothing, even after complaining during sex that Gary's wire kept getting stuck in her vagina. Oh, jeez. I hereby declare, Dingus, that this investigation and the vagina shall remain open until further notice. Stinky, anything you'd like to say? Shit. The next day, Gary's looking through the job listings at work, right in the open. And sees an ad that's all, do people with different keratin levels in their epidermis frighten you? When you see crosses, do you think they'd look better on fire? When you sign your name, do the S's accidentally turn into swastikas? Call 976-KKKK, because the prettiest rainbows have only white stripes. <laughs> He's all, hmm. Well, it is a fun way to spell clan. Ten minutes later... Mr. Worthington, this is Hee Haw Goggins of the KKK, turning your request for pamphlets and torch coupons. So what's your character's motivation? As everyone in the squad room stops all the cases they're working on, gets off the phone, hangs up on everything, just ignores everyone there, and slowly turns around their seats to listen. Gary's all. Well, I hate niggers, kikes, spick, slopes, dagos, uh, mermen, Canadians, uh, llamas, orangutans, people from Delaware, uh, Rob Reiner's character Meatball Sub, uh, Rob Reiner's character in RL, uh, Wolfen, uh, Native Americans, Eskimos, Navi, Klingons, fucking Amish, non-racists, Zulus, Protoss, people without hair lips, uh, the dead, puppets, hot black girls, people who buy their alcohol, chefs, Gray aliens, heterosexuals, and balding people with freckles. Uh, whoever Jim Crow was, he's my hero. Unless he was black, then I hate him, obviously. I can't believe the slaves wanted to stay. Who saw that coming? I love trade wars, uh, getting peed on by Russians and honkies. When I watch different strokes, I only watch the Mr. Drummond and Dana Plato parts, and then I leave the room when the black characters are on screen. My favorite show. Um, Dukes of Hazzard's far too liberal. All the other cops in the room slowly keep turning all the way around in a circle. And stare at him again, surprised and smiling excitedly to learn that Gary's as racist as they are. <laughs> Listen, we're having a secret pool game tonight down at the Ant Petty Pat Plantation Tavern. Why don't you come on out and we can all catalog our genetic grievances? Maybe a little skeet ball? Right on, sucker. I mean, yes. He hangs up and goes, 
Good news, guys. I have a job interview with the KKK tonight. <laughs> Granted, I was already assigned a case prior to this. But whatever. Murder schmurder. Yay! KKK. I'm doing it. What? The chief, Saul. Good work, Worthington. Aren't they going to notice you're black when you walk inside the, uh, you know, the place? Most of us did. Oh, shit. I didn't think of that. Oh, wait. Not if I look like an ethnicity that they love. <laughs> Cops all smirk and look at Adam Driver. <laughs> You're not black. <laughs> you look like nothing the KKK would like. <laughs> You're the obvious beard of all of us. No one's whiter than you. Easel. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> now that's a cop movie, by the way. Later at a bar. Uh, <clears throat> hi, I'm Officer Adam Driver. I mean Denzel Washington's son. This is not a wire on my chest. Nice to meet you. This mustache man eyeing y'all suspiciously. Here's Cletus Bobby Ray. And uh, this retarded fatty with the beard here is our group treasurer, Donnie. <laughs> Say hi, Donnie. Last night I ate a book of stamps. <laughs> Gonna mail my shits to the Queen of French. Yeah. I don't trust this new guy. He's got a Jew's elbows. Y'all have to excuse Cletus here. He was married to his wife for 12 years. And then one day discovered she was Asian. So now he's a little paranoid. What did you say that Make America Great Again ball cap there you was wearing was made again? Uh, China? <laughs> Wait, that's Driver. He's just... <laughs> See, Cletus, he's cool. Stop thinking everybody you meet's Jewish or Australian. It's a terrible way to live. Donnie's all... It's gonna be a big year for us. A guy I love to see for him a diaper right now. <laughs> he takes a couple Tonka trucks and stuffs them in his ears. Adam Driver's all. What the hell are you talking about? You ask a lot of questions, boy. Seeking knowledge ain't what the white man's about. Uh, yeah, I don't mind Cletus here. He's just missed a few hormones. He has good heart. Uh, literally. But speaking of which, they didn't start David around your neck. Uh, no, it's, it's a burning cross, and uh, this thing here is a wire. But not because I'm a filthy cop. Donnie's all. Hey, I just realized something. Black Panthers hate cops. We hate cops. Maybe us and the black people ain't so different from one another. Everybody rolls their eyes. Yeah, whatever, Donnie, idiot. Next day, Cletus tries to trick Driver by having him take a lie detector test. But Driver tricks them by Gary throwing a brick through the window and <laughs> driving off giggling. <laughs> Driver steals Donnie's gun and shoots a nearby tree, then goes, You guys... Obviously, uh, since my aim's so poor, this one time only, uh, I'll <laughs> probably forget to be this bad a shot in a minute. Uh, <laughs> a lie detector test on me now would be dumb, right? Gotcha. Good work, Gary. The window. I, it's kind of like that thing in Ghost with the uh, cat, scaring a cat. A fat lady in red tugs on Cletus's sleeve and goes, Later in the film, I predict you'll need something from me. Yeah, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by the results. 
To celebrate Adam Driver's lack of interest in polygraphs, they all go out to a miniature golf course and shoot at cardboard cutouts of Captain Crunch. Driver is widely admired for his ability to miss the vital organs of his target. Later, Gary comes out and takes a picture of the bullet holes to add to his collection. Later, across the street from a noise pollution contest, Gary's all, Cinnamon, there's something I have to confess to you. You a cop? No. Where are you getting that? Of course not. No, I'm an undercover detective. <laughs> Way different. So I didn't lie to you. Were you undercover when I asked you this? He's not listening, so he just looks at her. She storms off. He shrugs at us. Sisters. The KKK get together to all watch their annual viewing of Duck Soup. While the Black Panther's friends get together to listen to Harry Belafonte tell a story about how a crowd turned on Joey Bishop after a bad set one night at Caesars. Wow. And then they put, the audience put ice cream cones on his eyes. Oh, no. Oh, God. Fuck. Oh, that sucks. And then they poured sugar on his hands. Ah, oh, no. And then they made him. A, they made him eat a whole bag of cookies. Oh, that's bad. And they put him on merry-go-round. Wait, what? <laughs> they gave him a flamingo. And they gave him a timeshare in this condo in Ensenada. Uh, how much longer is this story? <laughs> Meanwhile, in the white people's screening room, everybody watches, as in the movie they're watching. <laughs> Groucho hits on an old woman in a wheelchair and pushes her down some stairs. The KKK's fat lady's all, Oh, that poor wheelchair! Oh, dear! Some ghosts arrive on horseback and start dragging the Marx Brothers around on ropes through some cactus. The KKK's all, Yeah! We did it! The black waiting staff watches the KKK clapping at the movie and shake their heads sourly. The funny old man in the bunch is all, If I'd known this was a clan film festival, I'd have served this food differently. A guy scowls at Adam Driver and goes, Hey, remember when you arrested me for hassling you with questions during a dinner? Oh, I did 12 years hard time for that. Um, different Adam Driver. Hey, Cletus, this guy you were paranoid about, you're right, he's legit. Shh, never mind that now. We sent fatty girl Luke Sue Lemon Red to go blow up this black girl's mailbox. That'll teach her not to go paperless, but we better go over there right now in the middle of this meal to make sure nothing dumb happens. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry, David Duke. Bye. Donnie's all. Hey, guys, look how many pencils I can fit in my nostrils. Gary's all. Excuse me, Mr. Duke. Uh, the police department was getting serious threats about your life today on the phone from me. So, uh, I'm your bodyguard for the evening. Um, can I take a picture of the three of us looking wacky together? Well, okay, I enjoy being photographed with black people. Sure. <laughs> Just as they make Donnie take the picture, Gary playfully hugs him. David Duke's all, what? Sir, I will not be tempted into pornography. <laughs> guy walks up and goes, good news, Fat Peggy's on her way with explosives to the mailbox of that girl that Cletus saw this black guy here with in his apartment that one night. <laughs> no connection. Oh, wait, he's listening to me. Uh, Gary Zoll. Girl character, no. I gotta go. 
Gary drives to the girl's place, killing many, many pedestrians on the way. <laughs> Meanwhile, the fat lady, KKK lady, the fat KKK lady goes to the black lady's house, foolishly realizes the C4 is bigger than a mailbox, <laughs> <laughs> and does the next best thing, puts it under a red VW parked nearby. <laughs> It could be anyone's, as far as she knows, and goes, now I'll just go to the post office and tell them she told me to have her mail forwarded to her car. <laughs> oh, shit, there she is. Oh, shit, there's Gary chasing me. Oh, I'm going to outrun him despite my fatness. <laughs> Gary tries to cuff Fat Peggy Sue, but some white cops show up, put cuffs on Gary, and go, You're under arrest for working in the same squad room as us. <laughs> Cletus, Donnie, and the guy Adam Driver sent to prison pull up beside the black lady's VW. Donnie's all, Hey guys, look, red VW with C4 under it. <laughs> it explodes. <laughs> Anyway, Gary comes over and tries to make the black lady hug him. He's all, looks like I saved your life. Ha ha, cops. <laughs> She's all, well, no, we all lucked out because the fat lady was bad at geometry. Then you showed up and tackled her and then got arrested. But yeah, thanks for that. That's great. Later in the precinct, Gary walks in. All the cops clap. Yeah, Gary. Woo. <laughs> Stupid fat lady. That Adam Driver walks in, everybody stops clapping. Chief Saul, I'm really proud of both of you. You boys cracked the fat lady mailbox fiasco. Congratulations. You're both promoted to Chief Inspector. Later in a bar. Well, well, Gary on a date with his black girlfriend. Ha! Gary's all, did you get all that? The waiter pulls off his mask to reveal he's Adam Driver. I sure did. All the other cops pop up from under the table, smiling triumphantly. The chief's all, Officer Judy Landers, it's my privilege to tell you you're under arrest for sitting in a booth. Landers is all, damn your pertinence. The cops all laugh, <laughs> sure, excitedly. It's the only racist police officer on any police force. Supported <laughs> off screen <laughs> to the craft services tent. <laughs> to wait sandwiches. Later in the chief's office, Officer Gary, Officer Driver, good work today. Uh, but by the way, I was kidding when I said that. You're both suspended without pay, and this investigation is hereby declared as never having happened. The fat lady is now mayor, and we're going to pay her reparations in C4. Gary's all, damn the system! He scowls, walks out to someone's desk, opens a random folder, then rips its slender contents in half and throws them away. Then he smirks happily, and Crank calls David Duke one last time. <laughs> Uh, so many tones in the ending. <laughs> Although none of the other cops in the squad room can hear anything, or once they're not doing anything once again, and they can hear nothing David Duke's saying on his end, and are usually busy. They all laugh and clap at David Duke's confusion, presumably. Later at home, the girlfriend's all, Well, did you quit that police force today? Gary's all, Yep. She's all, What about your KKK membership? He looks at her warningly and doesn't answer. 
Suddenly, the doorbell rings. They both draw their guns and levitate down a hallway to answer it. (laughs) But luckily, it's only Donald Trump and some Charlottesville vehicle enthusiasts. There's some clips of people dancing beside their moving cars and getting hit by cross traffic. I look over at Spike Lee sitting beside me and go, don't take this wrong, but it's like, Kugler's Obama and your Ben Carson. The end. Wow. Wow. Oh, too harsh. Come on, that did oh, I was really liking this. Okay, I'll wait. Well, you know what? Go ahead. So, well, Dingus, you go first. What's an over and under? What did you think of Black Klansman? All right. So, um, I uh, I didn't care for this at all. Um, I thought it had flashes of brilliance um, with bits of uh with huge bits of boredom and uneven tone and too much preachiness um but this is kind of a hallmark of the way that i think spike lee directs a lot of his stuff so when we did uh my under would be the first purge because when we talked about the first purge one of the things i talked about um was bringing a baseball bat to this type of thing rather than, you know, there's uh, whatever we saw. I think it was Mission Impossible Fallout where Angela Bassett's character says, I'm a hammer, you're a scalpel. And um, I was saying that, you know, Spike Lee would would bring a baseball bat to this type of thing. And that's what the first purge needed. It needed uh, it needed something that was much more bold. Um, and And I said when we talked about that during the first purge that, Spike Lee just would have would have spliced in stuff from the Rodney King beating. He would have put that footage directly in, and he totally delivered with that at the end of this with the Charlottesville stuff. He totally delivered exactly what I said that he would have done, and I had no idea that we were going to see Black Klansmen at that time. Um, that said, I think this movie is more effective than The First Verge because I think Spike Lee's boldness works to a certain degree. I just don't think that his filmmaking chops are quite up to the to standing up to his preachiness. Uh, over this, I would put a movie called Mudbound, um, which I liked a lot, but I felt was a little heavy-handed uh, in a different way. It was just a little too much of pontificating uh, on the emotional standpoint. Um, I don't understand the the tonal shifts in this movie. Um, and I think Mudbound has a better understanding of its tone than this does. Um, so I'm not I'm not crazy about this movie. Real quick, what is Mudbound? It's a Netflix production, right? Right. It was uh, it was also I believe nominated for Best Picture. Okay. Um, and it was directed by somebody named D. Reese, and it's uh, it's basically about a, a family taking over a, a farm that they bought that has been run by sharecroppers in uh in 19 yeah it's it's it takes place in in 1939 for the most part in in mississippi okay um in the mississippi delta and it's and it stars uh um jason clark who you know Ah. was was nanobites in the monkey movie (laughs) um but i don't think it i think it's a little too earnest okay. as far as what it's trying to do and it, it's a beautifully shot movie but it just didn't work for me right. uh, and this doesn't work for me either kelly wand what did you think what's an over what's an under 
My over is the Dave Chappelle sketch where he's a blind black Klansman who doesn't know he's black. <laughs> um, his, his head explodes. Which is pretty funny. Um, uh, but if I have to pick a movie, I'd say End of Watch and go with a mixed race buddy cop movie spread. And my under would be Collision Course with Jay Leno and Pat Morita um, as uh, star-crossed cop buddies. But uh, I just want to say, I I saw this with uh, a couple couples, and there was uh, one couple of black people who saw a black couple, and they left, like, early. <laughs> they, like, walked out. People you knew, you mean, or the, just in no. the audience? Oh, okay. No, I saw them walk out. They walked out actually kind of later, like when the movie was almost over. But it was when I was like, what's happening to the but movie? But they walked was, out before the end of the movie. They walked out before the end of the movie, but it was it was during the scene where they get Landers or Anders or whatever his name is at the end. And and so he was sliding into the booth and, like, talking shit to the girl. And they walked out and maybe were thinking, oh, I don't want to see that Anders character. And then... They missed the comeuppance part. So as far as they know, that's how the movie ends. Or they were just bored. Um, but uh, I was kind of liking the movie at first. And I was really interested in the subject matter. And I was hoping there would be more procedural stuff and more suspense and more details would surprise me. Or details. I don't know. Because I've never been much of a joiner of clubs or groups or frats or teams or doctrines. Uh based around some shared insecurity. So the KKK is, is kind of interesting to me. It's like, like if you infiltrate it, like what are these, what do you find out about these people? Are they, are they all just like the caricatures? Or is there one just like, really, it's that guy? Because I remember there was a movie called Betrayed with Tom Berenger, Deborah Winger. Yeah. And uh, it mostly sucks, but there's one scene where uh, he has kids and the kids just say the super racist shit. Like, yeah, that, he's going to do that down there. Like, and Deborah Winger hears it, and she's just like, Ugh. and the audience was like, Ugh. like that actually affected them. But there's nothing like that. Like, there's no kids in this movie. Like, no sense of, like, they're kind of like the uh, Django Unchained rednecks. And also, I didn't think the lead was very good. Um, and I couldn't tell if it was Spike Lee's fault or the script's fault, but it seemed like it was cutting around him a lot. Uh, I couldn't, I had trouble getting into his character or even what person he was um but uh yeah the last third's terrible i don't it's just so disorienting how bad it is it's just it, the, the wrap up the third act has so many it's just a terror the script just takes a dive it really uh, is a mess isn't it yeah. yeah and it's just hard i'm just it's baffling and it just never gets better and then this just keeps going and then by the time see the stuff at the end with the Charlottesville stuff. You, I feel like I'd already turned on the movie at that point and didn't have the impact that I kind of wish it had. But anyway, okay. So mostly I didn't like it, but at the fir- for the first 20 minutes or so, I was like, ah, oh, Tom didn't like this. He's crazy. I can't wait to roast him. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, Ugh. But I did like Adam Driver's acting, and I liked, uh, uh, I thought, I liked the girl, and I liked, uh, the Black Panther. So can I have a turn? I mean, this is basically yeah, 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 quick, just sorry. say what you think unless you are overs and under. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. So my under, as far as movies about infiltrating uh, fringe groups and w- what fringe groups are like and the sense of paranoia and peril that comes with uh, extremist fringe groups. My under is a movie with uh, uh, Daniel Radcliffe where he shaves his head 
and infiltrates a white supremacist group, a bunch of skinheads. The movie's called Imperium, uh, and it's pretty bad, and Dan uh, Daniel Radcliffe is clearly out of his element. He's trying to do something very serious, uh, and it's, uh, yeah, Imperium is, is pretty awful. This is better than Imperium, but over this, as far as movies about fringe groups uh, and paranoia and what's going to happen with a bomb, uh, I would put, because I, I agree with what Dingus is getting at, is I, don't, I, don't, I think skill, uh, Spike Lee has issues with filmmaking. So my over is a movie that I think is very keenly directed and paced and really gets at that sense of peril. Uh, it's a movie called Arlington Road, which, oh, has, yeah. which has nothing yeah. in common with Black Klansmen, but it is doing what I think Spike Lee kind of wanted to do with Black Klansmen, but it's doing it more effectively. Uh, Spike Lee was trying to do many things with this. You, you guys mentioned the tonal shift. Uh, but overall, I came away from, from this really, really depressed. And not just because it was a – I don't think it was a very well-made movie. And parts of this movie I, th I thought were brilliant. I loved – the Stokely Carmichael sequence. I yeah, mean, I loved so how Spike Lee captured what it must have felt like to be a black man in the 70s and to have someone come out and speak to you. Yeah, that was, that was Tarzan a, stuff. Really that was, yeah, that was a beautiful bit of filmmaking, and I'm assuming that that was an actual Stokely Carmichael speech. I don't know for sure. Uh, yeah. But the way Had Spike the Lee shot that. that and the way that he shot people listening to it and Corey Hawkins just channeling. I mean, that guy was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so some of that I loved, but overall I came away from this movie really depressed because I, I feel that it's kind of quaint, this idea that these groups are underground and need to be infiltrated. Uh, that is – that's a relic these days because it's they're not – It's a period piece though. They're, they're, that it's a period piece, sure, but I, I think Spike Lee is is trying to make it relevant, like he does with the brief conversation in the hallway, with the the white sergeant guy, uh, basically, and I forget the specifics of it, but he's basically saying, yeah, one day they'll get someone in office, and he's he's sort right. of uh, predicting Trump. I think Spike Lee thinks this is enormously relevant, especially because, and I I this is super depressing. And this is what I didn't need. He shows me Heather Heyer getting. Hey, are getting killed at the end yeah. of the movie, and I don't, I don't need that. I don't want that. After watching a procedural about the KKK being implicated in an investigation in 1972 or whatever, Spike Lee making me watch Heather Hare getting murdered just really sat poorly with me. I don't, I don't like seeing graphically violent footage when it's real. Uh, and especially when it's as charged as Heather Heyer's death in Charlottesville. So I, I, I do think that, that, that it, what's quaint about this as a period piece is that Spike Lee, his, the points that I think are kind of being made here, that there are these underbellies of racism uh, and we can infiltrate them and here's an example of how they will in, infiltrate it. Like I think that that is of no relevance today because those guys now have a platform on social media. They have political relevance because Republicans are courting them for their votes. They are encouraged by a president who's pandering to their bigotry. These people are out in the opening. They're having demonstrations, uh, and they're not quaint fringe groups who meet in somebody's like living room anymore. And that's why I found it really depressing, is that the story that Spike Lee was telling, definitely a period piece, Kelly Wand, and I'm just kind of 
depressed at how it's not really relevant anymore. The KKK is not a tiny little fringe group that the Colorado Springs Police Department is going to investigate. Racism and bigotry are, are normalized. They are institutionalized these days, and the KKK is basically one. Uh, and that's what I found depressing. Plus, I didn't think it was a very good movie. So. Well, I would say that he – you could say that he is agreeing with your point, and he is saying, like, look, look how quaint – like, look when there was a time when we had to infiltrate these groups, and now it's so it's so overt that what this guy did does seem quaint by comparison. And he's, he's, he's making your point with by showing you that contrast. Like, maybe he gets what you're saying, like, it's that, that it is a different age. It could it's be sadder and more wanted, depressing. Yeah, if he just wanted to depress me, then he succeeded. And I, I, I again do think, like Dingus was saying, I don't think it, he was a very good filmmaker. There's a, there's weird there's pacing in this, and there's, and and I, I, I don't, I don't, the weird tonal shifts. I, I would credit it if I thought it was a better made movie. Like I wouldn't mind the jokes and then the caricatures of the racists laughing and hooting it up at Birth of a Nation, please. Uh, like I, right, I know. some of that it's stuff so on I, the head. It's so on the head. Like, which would have been okay if it had been a better made movie. I feel. Uh, and like their dialogue during the movie, like there's no, there's no uh, improvisational quality to it. Like even those comments that it's scripted. Yeah. Oh, those poor women. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I am heart like I had no idea that the Colorado Springs Police Department investigated the KKK in I, whatever in the early 70s. Like I, I was watching it and then when it was over and I saw that it was based on the a book written by the actual detective, I was like, oh nice, that, that's kind of cool that in 70 whenever in Colorado Springs they thought it was worth looking into what the KKK was KKK was doing. That's cool and progressive and I was. But did the bomb stuff happen? Apparently, yes, yeah. Uh, it was his girlfriend. I think there were liberties with that, but I think someone did. Dingus, do you know the, much about the source material? I tried uh, to look it up and didn't uh, see it. Other than the casting choices and, and what Ron Starworth was, he wanted Denzel Washington to play him, and obviously he can't because he was 25 at the time and Denzel Washington was oh. 65. So, <laughs> so getting his son to play him was kind of the next best thing. Oh, wait, other that was that, Denzel really Washington's son. Yeah. Yes. Oh I, boy, that actually, explains a lot. Okay. Yeah, I actually really like that actor. Um, he's in a show called Ballers, and he's really, oh. really good in it. Uh, uh, so I was, I kept recognizing him and going, "What do I know him from?" So I really did like him, but there, that's all I know about it, the source material, okay. and that's not much. Because he's hung out to dry on this, so I couldn't tell if he was good or bad. It's not the, even the, uh, the actual detective, you mean? No, the character in the movie. Well, I, yeah, I think sure. thematic. Oh, oh. I mean, just plot-wise, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, once once you decide you're going to send in Adam Driver, then just let him handle the phone stuff too. I mean, yeah, I know. What, what, that's a but no-brainer. You... I mean, why why are you making this dramatic? Just let him handle everything, and if you need to whisper in his ear, do that. Honestly. Which is why I was expecting something like I. I, 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 that seemed just so contrived and weird, so I was yeah. expecting that there would be something done with it. Like Dingus made the Cyrano de Bergerac comment. I thought that we'd get some outrageous scenario like that. Yeah. Uh, or I thought that it would play on this idea. Yeah, that it never it, paid off. I thought it would play on this idea that a black man in the 70s understood racism in a way that the white guys on the police department couldn't understand. But yeah, right. I don't think there was any payoff. Or I don't think they did justify that contrivance at all. Um 
It or even that he was a good he was good at making them think he was white, which is the central conceit. And like, why out? Oh, and David Duke's expo, like, ah, oh, you fell for a black guy. But right. it's like, you know, <laughs> they barely talked. I guess I don't know. Well, all Maybe that they end stuff just wrong. plays like like a fantasy version of reality, and that's where the movie falls apart. Yeah, and he's the bodyguard. Like, if, if that's not pure gibberish and that all really happened, it's still weird. Because the movie makes it feel weird. Like, like it'd be interesting to find out if this, if there was someone overheard one of the servants go, if I'd know this was going to be a clan meeting. I'm really, I'm really glad that you brought up the, um, the Kwame Ture, the Stokely Carmichael thing. Because that is, for me, the only thing that's worth the price of admission for me in this movie. Because that was... Absolutely, 100%. It drew me in. That's what I thought was brilliant. And I'm glad you brought that up, Tom. Because those floating faces in the darkness connecting with this in in this wide-eyed, somebody is finally speaking to me way was something that totally, totally got me. Uh, And, you know, Corey Hawkins also played Dr. Dre in Straight Outta Compton. And he was really good in that as well. And he's he's brilliant in these moments but the filmmaking is also just top notch in that weird floating faces just wrapped attention uh that moment is the one moment in this movie that will stick with me for the rest of the year and he lets so much of the speech be used too like any other director would have just put out a couple of like lines from it but i again i don't know if it was actual uh, i'm I'm assuming like I, i doubt spike lee wrote that just for the movie but just for how long it went on and how long he let that guy talk, it's like in a movie when a, a movie just uses a piece of a song versus yeah. when it uses the whole song. And I, I yeah. felt that way about this speech. I was so glad that so much of it, if not all of it, w- was used. Yeah. And that's rare because I remember there's like a scene in Finding Forrester where like Sean Connery reads the main character's like writing and it's supposed to like move everyone there, but you don't hear a word of it. You're just supposed to go. You just—it's like music and looking at their faces, and you just see their reactions. Right. So it's cool to hear what's supposed to be because it's a great speech. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this was uh, produced. So uh, Jason Blum is a guy who uh, runs a production company that does a bunch of cheap horror movies. They're called Blumhouse, uh, mm-hmm. and they had a really big hit with uh, Get Out, which Jordan Peele uh, directed. Oh. And uh, so. Jason Blum and Jordan Peele are also producers on this. Uh, And I have similar problems with this that I had with Get Out in that uh, I I didn't mind the weird tonality so much because I I would have liked it if the movie had been better. I wish the movie had gone a little bit further with some of that. But one of the the big issues I had with it uh, was that whole comeuppance, that that whole contrived comeuppance and that that smack my bitch up – just pandering to the audience at the end which get out does as well and i feel undercuts the seriousness of it and i like i I just got finishing really cool social social commentary and get out and to then just have this clown nonsense triumphant you know punch the bad guy silliness at the end just ruined the, the feel of it and there was some of that here too with that that racist cop getting his and with you know, making fun studio of note. David Duke. I doubt it was studio, studio notes, Kelly Wand. I mean, I, I it's I, them I, doing pre studio noting themselves. So I, I don't, I don't know. Like no. I, I am not 
I, I'm a white guy watching these movies. Uh, there, there's a movie called Blind Spotting that does a similar thing at the end, which wants the, the movies like Get Out, uh, Black Klansman, and Blind Spotting are all made by black filmmakers talking about the experience of being a black man in a racist white America. And all of them feel the need to have these contrived, triumphant moments at the end, which feel really weird to me and kind of undercut the seriousness of the commentary. But I wonder if this is part of how they want to tell their stories is to give it a more encouraging, happy ending rather than a bleak ending is to kind of triumph over racism and the the social inequality yeah. and the injustice. Like, I don't know that I can, I, I don't know Kelly Wan that it's a studio note or maybe it's a stylistic choice, or maybe it's just how people who've been subjected to racism feel that they want their stories to end. But how or maybe it ever... really happened. I'm sorry. Maybe it really happened. Maybe Maybe when he read the book, or the, he was talking to the well, guy. I'm talking the about guy's the, like, yeah. And then I called. David I'm talking Duke. about the. I'm talking about Just the. In, talking about the filmmaking. Yeah. I'm talking about the ending of Get Out, the ending of this, with making fun of David Duke and busting the racist white cop, and the ending of Blind Spotting, which is basically a musical number, and it's yeah. uh, it's a an super energizing, incredible musical number, and it's a triumph that feels really contrived in a movie about how horrible racism can be. Uh, and, and I, think, I think that maybe these contrived triumphs might be part and parcel of the way that these stories want to be told. Uh, and I'm not necessarily sure that it's, you, you know, you said studio notes. I don't know if it's coming from a studio, but I do know that these three movies that are, are made by black filmmakers that are about the experience of racism have all had this kind of ending. And it's felt weird to me every time. Uh, well, I like, the, I like the way that you're putting this because uh, – for me, and, and this is why I brought up the first purge and the use of a baseball bat instead of a scalpel or a hammer instead of a scalpel, um, because I, I was thinking about the way that this ending didn't ring true for me, but thinking along the same lines of what you're thinking of is that, yeah, it feels like a fantasy when everybody walks in the room and the one racist cop get it, gets his comeuppance and the guy gets on the phone and he the talks to David Duke. Um, and that guy gets humiliated on the phone uh, that this that there isn't a space for that because I I couldn't help but think about the 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 protests that go on the NFL staged by Colin Kaepernick and and how that's done peacefully and subtly and carefully and still they are criticized they're constantly criticized for something and he's been blackballed from his career in the NBA in the NFL uh even though he's doing a peaceful protest and this is done with subtlety. And what I left thinking after what you were talking about, Tom, um, is where has subtlety gotten us? Um, and so this, this is how we want it to end way of doing it. Maybe this is another way to, to do that. It might be a blunt instrument, and I might not like the way it is from a filmmaking point of view, but this might be – and I don't know how you put it, but I like the way you put it, the, the way that, that, that they want the story to end or the way they, they want this story to play out. There's a uh, – uh, shoot. Kelly Wan, do you know who wrote Lovecraft Country? Uh, no. Uh, there's a – Offhand. There's a, there's a book called Lovecraft Country, which 
uh, is about uh, the experience of blacks in the 50s in the South and H.P. Lovecraft horror. And H.P. Lovecraft horror always has a bleak, terrible ending where somebody goes insane. Like, like, like Lovecraft is all about the existential dilemma sort of channeled through goofy horror stuff. Like, the universe is horrific, and once you realize that, you might as well go insane and die. Uh, <laughs> so when uh, – shoot, now wait. Which one of you – well, hold on. So in this, this – uh, novels. It's sort of an, a horror anthology, and it's all tied together. And it's based on a book called uh, I, I forget the name of it, but there was a book that was a travel guide for blacks in the South in the 50s, basically saying this place is safe to go, this place is safe to stay, uh, steer clear of this county after dark. Um, uh, and it, it was a, uh. this was an actual published. Uh, Matt Ruff is the writer of Lovecraft Country, and this was an actual published. Uh, book for blacks who were traveling in the south especially like if they were coming from the north and didn't understand what it was like there you know emmett till was a kid from chicago who got murdered in mississippi because he maybe because he was accused of whistling at a white woman uh so i think in response to that sort of thing this book was written saying hey if you're from the south if you don't understand how crappy it is down there here's how you need to act and it was kind of a warning a cautionary travel guide so lovecraft county is about people making this book this kind of book about a travel guide, but it's it's also tying in these Lovecraftian horror bits, and it's really weird. And what's especially weird about Lovecraft County is that unlike Lovecraft stories, it has a happy ending. They prevail. The people doing it, like they beat back, like they they survive racism and they also beat back cosmic horror. Uh, and it's the same kind of thing with these endings. Is I I. I feel like maybe that's the sort of the ending that stories about racism need. Uh, and it just felt weird to me in Lovecraft County as well, but I could understand maybe, you know, that's the way that the story wanted to be written uh, is, you know, maybe... I prefer the Lansdale, the night, something, some horror show. Lansdale's a white guy. And Lans- I'm actually Matt Ruff. The guy right. who wrote Lovecraft County is a white guy as well, but uh, the, exactly. Kelly Wan, like that's that right there. That's what you, that's, if you want to, see what racism is like in the south in the 50s the night they missed the drive-in is is the the sort of the enormity that i expect from it and that doesn't have a convenient happy ending tacked onto it um so yeah. now, now that i've uh, actually reloaded windows i can look things up now while we're doing this and so what i've come up with is the negro motorist green book yes yeah so they call it something more uh, on the nose in lovecraft county but uh yeah that's okay. that's the actual thing yeah um and actually, that was uh, there was some talk after Get Out that that was going to be Jordan Peele's uh, next project uh, as a movie, but I think it's like an HBO series now. I don't know where how far along it is, but it's something that he's producing. Uh, Lovecraft, Lovecraft County. Lovecraft County. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, well, Jordan Peele was considering directing this, um, but he passed it on to Spike ah. Lee and then became a, a producer on it. So maybe some of his stuff still in there. Maybe. Well, well, yeah, and certainly his money's there. Like, if, Kelly Wand, if you bring up studio notes, again, I, I think Spike Lee gets to do pretty much whatever he wants. But I can imagine him uh, – like, I can't imagine Jason Blum, who does these crappy insidious movies and stuff, giving him notes and Spike Lee saying anything other than whatever. But I can imagine him huddling with Jordan Peele because Jordan Peele is, I think, an important voice for uh, telling stories about racism these days. Uh, and from the comedy that he did with the Key and Peele stuff, like, that was – 
a lot of that was social commentary. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I appreciate that Jordan Peele's been elevated to the status of like a filmmaker now. I think that's really cool. Uh, so maybe you're right that that was something because I don't remember. I don't, does it? What's the? Oh shoot! What's the? <laughs> Danny Aiello is the yeah. Italians. What? Uh, do the right thing. Do, do the, the right thing. thing. Do the right thing. I don't remember having a happy ending. Did it? Wasn't that kind of blue? Well, it has a. It has. It has more life. I just watched it, um, and it, it it's really interesting to watch a couple of Spike Lee movies in relation to this. And we have a couple of listeners who wrote in, like going along these same lines, because um, watching Do the Right Thing, uh, there's this huge conflagration. I mean, the whole movie is building toward this moment that is the the climax of the movie, and then it kind of falls off, and it it's clear that. The idea is that this is going this is going to be like a, a almost like waves coming in, and it's going to keep going on and on and on. And how do we ever get around it? Right, because, and there's no you know, convenient come up and stuff, right? No, no, not really. I yeah. mean, they nobody you know, does the right thing. It's an ironical well, title. <laughs> yeah, well, I like that one. Yeah. I, I mean, do too, and that, that's why, in yeah. contrast to this, I, I, I think, and it's like, oh, sorry to cut you off, but in contrast to this, I don't remember Do the Right Thing having that kind of pandering thing, so I do wonder, that do, is that something that Jordan Peele is bringing? Because Spike Lee, the bit where they, they levitate out and see that the KKK is still burning across, and then we cut to Heather Heyer's murder being tacked onto the end, like that, like is that what Spike Lee insisted that he leave us with after this convenient little, yeah, we busted the racist cop and look what a fool David Duke is. Uh, like I just don't remember do the right thing being that way. So Dingus, go ahead. I'm sorry I cut you off. You're well, levitations about... in a bunch of them. Right, he right. does. He does that levitation yeah. thing. He did it in Inside Man as well. And I'm okay with him doing that here because I was like, oh, yeah. there's the Spike Lee shot. Let's see where where it's going to lead. What is he going to do with right. it? Oh, right. there's the KKK out there. Oh, now I'm watching Heather Heyer getting murdered. Because I, I hate that. Yeah. Movie. It's just so distressing. So, so anyway, and they go down the hallway to see that. I don't like that. <laughs> That's the end of the, this movie. Fuck that shit. But I do like Mo Better Blues and Jungle Fever and School Days. And I like Malcolm X. Fuck you guys. So Markinson is asking us, what do you think about the present day stuff tacked on to the end? Is it just doesn't work for you at all? I don't because I think it's, you know, the, the KKK being a quaint underground movement with uh, fat bearded guys who are dumb and uh, an idiot racist. Uh, like and, and David Duke, by the way, being a sort of a polite clown like David Duke is a virulently racist community organizer he's not a guy who just sits in an office and takes phone calls and is polite and cordial yeah he's not a toe for grace david duke is still a political concern and he's a community he's a guy who institutionalizes racism and you don't do that by sitting in an office and just chatting politely on the phone and then having someone make fun of you yeah you don't do that by getting played so um uh so the charlotte yeah yeah so the so so the the whole thing is that the the charlottesville that that's why I was so depressed is because I don't feel that this story has much bearing on the situation with racism in the United States today. Kelly Wan calls it a period piece. I'm tempted to call it irrelevant. And putting the Charlottesville, you know, white super the unite the right guys marching, and it was a counter march to them, and then that guy driving his car into 
the, the protesters because that's the kind of stuff that Pizzagate leads into. That's the kind of stuff that these guys do when they are emboldened. Uh, they don't they don't skulk around and then maybe once every five years throw a bomb in a in a in a mailbox. They they out in the open carry torches and drive cars into crowds and perpetrate these silly Pizzagate conspiracy bullshit and they they retweet Alex Jones and all that stuff. So there is a connection. What is a period? I mean, of, right, right. But, know, isn't there a direct line between those things? Right. Because he even makes an obvious connection when he talks about, well, no one would ever elect a person like that. I mean, yeah, that he, obvious scene. America first. Isn't he but... trying to make a direct, isn't he trying to draw a direct line between these two points? I don't, I think the direct line is a matter of these people used to have to run around and hide and be ashamed. They don't have to anymore. They're always there. They will always be there. They should not be given a political voice. Uh, They should not (laughs) be encouraged. He's not disputing that. I don't think he's disputing that. Right, but you're saying, is there a through line from there to here? And I'm simply saying that where we are here is not where we should be. Where we were then is where we should have been. Those people should have had to huddle and whisper privately to each other their racist thoughts. And we were moving along a situation until the GOP basically uh, appropriated racists to, 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 for voting. Uh, we were moving along a situation where those people were just going to have to go deeper and deeper underground, and their kids – they were going to die off, and their kids were going to be raised in multicultural situations, and it would be more awkward for them to grow up with racism. And we've just had a huge setback. So I – uh, but I mean, there's also yeah, more I mean, backlash. There, like there was more – there was no outcry back then about any of this stuff, and now there there's was. like – there's about? Heather Of there was. There, the, Not Kelly on Wan, this level. The, Kelly Wan, the civil rights movement was the outcry, was the backlash. Right, the civil the rights 70s. movement. Yeah, the civil rights movement. We have moved behind the civil rights movement, I feel, in, in terms of what political discourse is doing today. And the dehumanizing and of, of minorities and of, of immigrants and the, the, the way that, that, politi- that politics is using this. Uh, as a tool, mm. it's a political mm. tool. So I feel that the civil rights movement, yeah, there was a backlash against that, and we should be at a point where the civil rights movement paved away and things got right. progressively better. We're not. We moved way, way backwards. Uh, mm. So yeah, there's a through line, but I don't know. Let me just say this: I think maybe it's not more... supposed to serve any purpose, but I don't know what purpose it serves to show how quaint it was when they had to skulk around and whisper and put a bomb in a mailbox. I. I don't know what purpose it serves to tell us that story and then make me watch footage of the Charlottesville murder. I think I it think does he, show, you know. So go ahead, Kelly, and then he's making exactly the point that you're making, isn't he? Right. He's, he's saying that they used to skulk around and now it's out in the open and we allowed this to happen and here's evidence of Look that. how shitty things are. Okay. That's, I, what, you're, that's what you're saying and he's why saying is that he, too. Look okay. how shitty sure. things are. It, does that have any value other than as an undercover cop story? Uh, it's it would have been oh, a little more graceful if he'd shown like over time like this is the KKK in the 80s and then it turned into this and now look what we have it's like and then it's there's the David Duke connection it's true because the guy really did call David Duke so you have to have a David Duke through line and that has to be established but also Tom I was going to say I tell you and so Dingus would you agree does that does that have any value to to show this story t- today 
So uh, we, uh, my question for you would be, what do you mean by value? Do you mean filmmaking value or do you mean message value? Social value, message value. Because Chris Markison is asking, what do I think about the stuff, uh, okay. uh, the Charlotteville okay, yeah. stuff being tacked on the end? I don't think it belongs, and I actually don't think that this movie has much value as social commentary. And that's what tacking the Charlottesville footage when he does that, I think he makes me want to think it has value as social commentary. But I think I, as social yeah. commentary, it's irrelevant today. Mm. I I agree with you as far as I, – I, I actually I really agree with you as far as just talking about from a filmmaking point of view. And I think he subverts his message by doing it uh, because what he does is just tear us out of the movie and then we're watching this stuff. Well, tell us uh, stuff we already I, know too. I see what he's trying to do, but I don't think it's effective okay. because he hasn't feathered it in and he hasn't made it a part of the story. And a, a wiser filmmaker would make it, would understand how to make it a part of the story so that we see, oh, here's the arc of history. It's not bending toward light. We're, we seem to be bending toward darkness. And, and that is unfortunate. And that, that, but that is where we are. That is where we have allowed ourselves to go. And how did we get here? Instead, it's just like uh, this silly movie. And then, oh, by the way, here's some recent footage from YouTube. And I agree with you from that point of view. Definitely. And what's Ron Stallworth think of all this? Oh, or does that? It's his take. I, he, think thinks, he, he thinks it's powerful, but he's he's kind of in thrall of being able to meet Harry Belafonte and Denzel Washington and Spike Lee and having these people make his right, book into right. a movie. And I, I don't mean that in a bad sense. I mean, he was surprised that all of this happened to him. I mean, he's really surprised. So, but his experience is different from mine. From mine, I'm just I'm really trying to evaluate this in two different ways. I'm trying to evaluate it as a movie that it's made and also as a bit of social commentary. And I think Tom is kind of spot on here. I think Spike Lee's trying to do that, but he's doing it again with a baseball bat instead of with a, a needle and thread. And I think a needle and thread could be useful here. The thing that comes to mind for me, and Kelly Wan touched on this, even though I wouldn't go this far when he said Kugler's Obama and Spike Lee is Ben Carson, uh, Black Panther is a baseball bat and a needle and thread and right. a scalpel and crowd a fireworks pleaser. show. It's a crowd pleaser and it does a beautiful job mm. of, of normalizing black empowerment. And I adore that about that movie. I, I just yeah. think as, it gives a shit about its characters. And they're different. Well, as a, as a social message, I feel that Black Panther is ten times more relevant than this is. Uh, it, like that's why I come away yeah. from this just depressed. That's a good uh, over. That's it, a really well. That's really well put, Tom. I like the way you put that. Tom, I was going to say one quick thing. Before. Yes, Kelly Wan. Yes, sorry. Just uh, I agree that we've gone backwards, mm -hmm. and I'm not disputing that. Mm -hmm. But back in the 70s, there was no outcry over, like, uh, white cops shooting black people in the back. And now when that happens, and it happens constantly, of course, it's like every month I seem to read about it happening again, there's huge outcry about it. Like, and but back then, no one cared. Like, it wasn't reported as a news item. I think you're giving the civil rights movement short shrift. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a lot going on back then. I mean, back then it was a hugely turbulent time and the civil rights movement piggybacked onto things like, well, not piggybacked, like it, it, there was a confluence with the, the protest against Vietnam and the, the disaffectation after Watergate. That was Watergate. the 60s though. This is the 60s and the 70s. I mean, this was basically the 60s. If there are people mm. in this movie talking about doing two tours of duty in Vietnam, I mean, this, 
the early 70s are still the 60s. I, I sort of feel. But I'm saying that guidebook that you guys were talking about right. isn't, is no longer... Correct, and that's good, yeah. And, See, right. right, so that's progress on that front. You're also talking about the speed of news being utterly different now. Yeah, social that. media. Right, right. But you get to see that footage, too. Like the Heather High stuff, you would have read about it in the news. You wouldn't have seen it that night. Oh, I, I've seen that picture. I mean, that's an iconic picture, but seeing yeah. the actual – like the car frozen with someone falling off the back of it, like as a still, that's kind of iconic. But seeing it in motion, seeing people – Yeah, like it's people, horrible. People hit Gasoline. by a moving car is really a horrific thing. Yeah, uh, we'll and most horrific. In, in movies where it's like a CG thing or if it's part of a horror movie, I'm fine with that. And that's one of the reasons that I think that documentaries aren't real movies is because in movies, things are faked, and they should be. Yeah. And if I see someone hit by a car in a movie, I go, oh, that's that's wacky. That's crazy. But to see somebody hit by a car in real life is a horrific thing. Yeah. Uh, and I – yeah. I just, that's an I, R rating. If you might, That'll give you an R rating for Even I will say. Well, I don't that's watch – I mean I, I don't want to watch uh, people being beheaded by ISIS. Yeah, I don't I don't want to watch Heather Hare being, being killed. Uh, I'm a gore junkie, and I don't want to see it. Yeah, I, I don't want so like this to is just, gore. <laughs> this yeah. is just vulgar, then? I don't watch snuff films. Uh, I mean, I, I don't – Yeah, it, I think, it, yeah, vulgar is a good way to put it, Dingus, and I'm not sure I see any value in it. it I mean, I, I, Heather Hare's And watch the trailer was... for this movie and then think about that that's, that's, this, that's the movie they're, they're marketing to you that ends with Heather Hare. Just like, like get out. So it's so it's disrespectful of her death and in the I wouldn't say disrespectful because I don't think he is. I, I, I just think it's not used well. Uh, he means well, but I don't think it works. That's that's a good distinction. That's yeah. a good distinction. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's not like yeah. He's and being. I, this I, is Oliver Stone gland. I well well, actually, well very well put. <laughs> that's very well put. Because it, for me, it was it it just I was already out of the movie by then anyway. Yeah, I found that whole restaurant scene and then the scene at the and end then the, the chief. to be utterly ridiculous. <laughs> um, and uh. then to have that at the end, it basically confirmed exactly what I said during the the so inauthentic feeling. It it just felt like I'm just I'm going to tack this on and and I dare you not to be moved by it. Yeah, yeah, you know what, Dingus, that's a good way to put it, is I dare you to not be affected by me showing you Heather Hare getting killed. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, what else did yeah. Markson say? So we well, made him watch fruit. this. We, uh, we, had, we had three writer writers inners this mm -hmm. week. Uh, and so Markson, um, he, he said it was pretty heavy-handed, but he thinked he liked it. Uh, he really liked the performances. He liked John David Washington and Adam Driver. We haven't even talked about Adam Driver yet. I thought he was uh, really good at it, actually. And he liked the a, a couple of the other people. Um, he liked the idea of the black cop, black cop, black cop infiltrating the Klan. Uh, if that really did happen, he he likes that idea. But he said the movie felt really long to him. Um, yeah, yeah. Like the bedroom scene with Felix and his wife could have been cut. By the way, Felix, uh, Felix's wife, um, she's an actress named Laura. Uh, I'm sorry, Ashley Atkinson mm -hmm. uh, was also in the movie Inside Man. She plays uh, like uh, one of the cops in that movie. I like her. I mean, I hated seeing her playing such a shallow caricature, but I, I like that actress yeah. a lot. Yeah. Caricature is a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, he didn't understand why the heck we had to have that 
Alec Baldwin bit at the beginning. Oh, no kidding, Dingo. That's another thing. Yeah, yeah. so ending with the Heather Who's Hair that guy? and beginning with – that did set a weird tone for it, and it did yeah. – it is why I expected that this was going to go in odd, stylistic, unrealistic directions. Uh, but yeah, that Alec Baldwin bit was weird, and I don't – thinking back, I'm not sure why that was there. I didn't understand it, and it seemed like it was – and Kelly Wand, I think you said like him improvising. Yeah. It really did feel like he was doing – uh, bits for like a voiceover or something because he <laughs> or kept, exact like, quoting because his weird his like yeah. noises he was making looked very studied like that's what the guy did in the actual tape i saw like he and, saw some footage right and one of the interesting things chris said and i don't think i agree with this but i find it interesting that he says it the, the, he says that while i wasn't a fan of it in the post the movie the post uh, I wish they would have had a little, <laughs> honestly. Think of someone's talking to you, your favorite Pick actor. <laughs> Oscars, popular phone. <laughs> I'm so sad I brought this up. What was the post connection that Marcus made? did wish they would have had a little blurb about what happened to the actual person at the end of the movie, which is not something I normally like. But Chris wanted it. Oh, wanted. I'm thinking. Yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck happened in real life? <laughs> Give us something. Instead of giving me Heather higher, you're like, oh fuck that shit. All right, whatever. Who else? Would have been nice to know what we what happened with the thing we just watched two hours of. Right. Anyway, sorry. Right, please continue. Uh, so uh, we had a writer in her named Mark Drexler, and he just wrote two lines, and I'm going to read them in their entirety. Um, I found the film to be maddening. Yes, the message is good, but it seems like everyone is reviewing the message rather than the film. And Mm. the powerful ending is completely manipulative. Mm. It's hard not to include a YouTube video of a horrific act to induce an emotion. This movie made me realize that I really do not like Spike Lee's filmmaking. I really thought I was going to be unique and that you guys were all going to like this movie and writer inners were going to like it. Like, I, I, we're kind of on a, a lot of – we're on the same page for the most part, yeah. it seems. Yeah. Do we, nicely said, Mark Drexler. Do we have a third writer inner who's at least going to maybe make me understand why this has a 96% positive rating? 96%. I know. I really want to hear a defender turn me. Well, yeah, I think it's so like Mark said, is it's people reviewing the message, message more than instead the movie. of the movie, right? And I kind of, yeah. I'm very, I'm very alert for that. I'm very suspicious yeah. of well, it. Well, you know, I was too, and and again, I was, I was bringing up the the whole idea of the of the NFL protest, which I think is a really big deal. Yeah. Based on what's going on socially in this country, and how the, there is this nonviolent protest, and no matter what they do. To try, you know, Colin Kaepernick chose to take a knee based on what an ex-Navy SEAL said to him. He's like, to be respectful, we kneel. When we're on the battlefield, we kneel to watch after our fallen soldiers. Yeah. And so I think that you just sitting is – it would be less disrespectful if you if you kneel because that's what we do as soldiers. Just tell Trump they're kneeling to him. This is, this yeah. is a Navy SEAL telling him to do that, and Colin Kaepernick said, yeah, all right. I agree with you. I'll do that. And still, still, the, there's nothing they can do. They can't have a silent protest without being called out and called 
son of a bitches by our president. So what do you expect? Is that's, he still a term- on, that's a medal of honor, really. Uh, is he still on the team, Dingus? Is Colin Kaepernick like? Did he get fired or anything? No, he's blackballed. He can't get a. He's he's, he's a Super Bowl winning. Yeah. For oh, years. that guy's not even uh, playing football anymore. He hasn't played football for years. He's well, the NFL's he's shitty. He's in great shape. He can play. People. He's won a Super Bowl. And he can't get an interview with a team. He's been blackballed because of starting this protest. And it's gotten worse this year because now everybody's uh, doing it. People can get players can get fined for it. Some teams, um, I think, like maybe the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami Dolphins, but I could be wrong about that. Philadelphia, the, like, like their team, people get in trouble for for no, no. The, their owners say. We'll cover the fines. Oh, oh the if you're going to say Philadelphia's super blue, I would be surprised. Right. Yeah, okay. It's the NFL. You should do what thing. the media, what the newspapers did and go, we're all in. We're all going to kneel. Fuck you. Well, they should, but different people have different ways of protesting, and that's fine as well. Um, but it's it's a silent, passive, not It's passive. what's more American than that. It, it, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And still. And still, to not see that, it just. In, says so, a lot about the NFL. And so I said, watch that. This is really depressing to me. So anyway, so our other writer in there was Brian Becker, and I'm afraid he's not going to give us much more. Um, uh, he says that it seems to him, and this is something that I totally agree with, that inside Spike Lee is two directors. This more commercial director, like Inside Man, and I watched Inside Man again. That's one of the movies I watched this week, and I I love that movie more. Yeah, good. Because ah. I, I, that's where that's where I was like this. Because that's when I went into this thinking, you know, as I realized this is going to be a, an undercover cop thriller, I was like, oh yeah, Inside Man was really good, and that's kind of what I was expecting this to live up to. Because I do recall really liking Inside Man. Kelly Wand apparently didn't. What a weird. I didn't like the Jodie Foster character. Huh. Yeah, interesting. Really. How misogynist of you. Hmm. It's dumb. How'd, how'd you <laughs> feel about the How'd you feel about the Christopher Plummer character? Uh, I think he should have been replaced by Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Softball. <laughs> you guys rehearsed that. I could tell. All right. What? So what? What else did Brian say? So, uh, so he can make an excellent uh, Hollywood movie like Inside Man. I mean, I think it's an amalgam of a Hollywood movie and a Spike Lee movie. Oh, better blues. The, is his good. music running through it. He has. Uh, he has. Uh, you're gonna have to help me, Tom. Tweedle Edufor. You did it. Tweedle is you for Dingus, you did it. I'm so proud of you. Now if only Kelly Wan could figure out the name of Martha, Martha Marcy May Marlene. If Dingus is red belt. He's he's <laughs> playing uh, right next to Denzel Washington, and they're really great together. Oh, wait. Tweedle is um, you for is in Inside Man? Yeah. I don't even and, remember that. Uh, I, didn't, okay. I didn't either, and he's great in it. Um, uh, it's it's really well paced. It's got this it, this thing that Spike Lee does where he just plays music throughout totally like a music bed underneath the whole movie rather yeah than, i can't remember that That's he good. does that constantly with his movies but i like really the video game there. too and denzel washington really works in the movie he's really good in it and clive owen is amazing in it i mean uh, just about everything is it's just well paced it's joy to watch it's really really good movie and it is mm. and it is sort of an amalgam of this hollywood movie concept with some of spike lee's um Kinks sensibilities yeah but then uh, Brian Becker also says the other director is this more outsider director who wants to make uh, abstract artistic films and wants to comment on race, racism, and the effect of racism on art. And he says both these threads are vil- visible 
in Black Klansmen, and I think work well separately, but I don't think make a cohesive whole. So his his point is that it just doesn't come together here. Uh, they work separately, but they don't work as a whole. Uh, the racist cop arrest doesn't belong in the Charlottesville footage movie. That doesn't work at all for him, and I totally agree with Brian Becker on that. That racist cop arrest with high fives and all that crap, then throwing in the Charlottesville stuff really made me... He has no hate, friends on the force, either. Hate, it's just that Spike one Lee. guy. Yeah. Um, uh, and he says, sorry to bother you. Have any of you seen... I know... Markson has seen Sorry to Bother You. Have either of you seen Sorry to Bother You? We have not. What did Brian say? Don't spoil anything, Brian. He just says it's one of the best satires ever made. Oh, so that's I didn't know it was a satire. That. Okay, good. I didn't either. I had no idea what it was, but but he saw that and blind spotting. Um, and he Santa thinks, Bullock's really good at the. He thinks that all three are worth watching, but uh, Black Klansman is inferior to blind spotting. Okay. Mm. Brian Wright Inmore. What's his last name? Becker. Becker. All right, good. I thought it was going to uh, be Wright Inmore. Kelly Wan, yes, you, uh, you you mentioned before this idea that uh, – I, I, like Adam Driver's – it was weird to me that Adam Driver's character – <laughs> Well, and that he was such a prominent part of – the operation and did right. the most perilous part and the movie's yeah. still called black Klansman, right. uh, which I, you know, I don't, I don't know where the title came from and I guess it makes sense. His book. It, it, the black Adam driver is not, Oh, Oh, that was the name of the book. Yeah. And that the author was the black okay. guy. Okay. What is that? Adam, Adam well, I knew that. Is. That does make sense then why it was called that because of the source material. But I feel like the movie, it's hard to watch that movie and not think that Adam driver's character deserves as much attention as well because he I has love an arc too. too. Yeah. He has an arc and I love the idea too that he was a non-Jewish Jew in yeah. the same way that a black man it's the color of his skin he has no control over uh, whether you're Jewish or not in in religious observance you are a Jew like I loved that parallel between a, a Jewish man and a black man that that yeah. was great. I liked their scenes together. Uh, yeah. I liked the uh, the I don't know who he was the hirsute Steve Buscemi guy that they yeah had. yeah was yeah buddy. It's his buddy yeah, yeah. so I I liked those cops and I just felt thought it was weird I would have liked to have seen more I guess there was plenty but I was gonna say I would I have liked know. to have seen it's... more about Adam Driver's character but there was a fair amount there he's uh, mysterious and he doesn't he's kind of laconic and I love those kind of characters um, and I think that he pulled off because I'm I'm with you Dingus and that I did like the actor a lot. But he did seem to be, and I, I, it was maybe a stylistic choice, maybe it was the way the part was written, but he did seem to play like super laid back and cool, almost to a fault. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I thought Adam Driver really earned that more. Like Adam Driver had more, showed more conflict going on inside of himself. And again, maybe that was just the writing. Uh, there was certainly more risk. Uh, the, the scenes with him were more tense, uh, like yeah. they were more effective in, in that way. Uh, and that felt he seemed to be bit, reacting yeah. more to things going on around him. Yeah. Well, I think he has more to do. I think it is writing thing because yeah. I think story-wise, once Adam Driver gets introduced into the situation, all the activity is him. Yeah, yeah. And except the funny phone calls. Ooh, that's funny. Yeah. Then I honestly thought – so I, I don't generally try to second-guess what, what a movie is going to be. But as this started, I knew it was kind of comedic. Uh 
and and I knew there was going to be some sort of a social satire stuff, and you could see that early bit with with uh, Alec Baldwin. So what I honestly thought was going to happen uh, is that he was going to call and join the KKK and show up and go through the whole membership thing, and the joke would be that no one realized he was black because of how irrelevant skin color is not the sheets because how it was going to be some social commentary on how irrelevant skin color is to who you are so that if a guy shows up and says yeah i'm a racist i i I hate niggers and mexicans and jews and and everybody like that if he just shows up saying that the color of his skin doesn't matter so no one would notice he was black and i thought that there would be some like visual gag kelly one you mentioned the dave Chappelle thing i've never seen that but i thought it would be something along those lines and that would have been kind of bold and cool and funny and weird and uncomfortable Uh, unexpected but instead adam driver comes in and does the heavy lifting Uh, right yeah i actually thought he was gonna for there was two seconds where i go wait he's gonna go in white face it's gonna be like that eddie murphy right skit. right exactly yeah, yeah white like me and i was excited oh. i'm like that'll be awesome what's it gonna be is it gonna look dumb yeah and, and, and like how are they gonna pull it off it's gonna be like tootsie there's gonna be right stake and identity <laughs> and i gotta watch the kids and oh no my i gotta put my face in the cake at least isn't there a wayans brothers movie where they dress as white women Oh yeah, two oh white, my God, white chicks. White chicks. Yeah, wow. yeah it's really gross. They're super episode. uncanny valley looking. Yeah, and they're not even CG, but it's just you don't want to. It's like I think it was Roger Ebert quote. It's like we don't like looking at them <laughs> or something. How <laughs> we put it? Like it's just an unpleasant view. Like what Tom was talking about the Heather Heyer stuff. It's like that in, with uh, makeup. Makeup you don't want to stare at. Tom, what do you think about the blurring of the issues of of Vietnam and? the race thing so like the i'd rather see a brother kill a racist cop than kill a vietnamese um mom and elise is that a weird i I don't understand quite the blurring of the lines of of what's going on in vietnam and what's going on here and i don't know that it's pushed far enough it just seems like just to sit out there yeah, I didn't realize that was a Muhammad Ali quote uh he said i don't want to no vietnamese uh, person ever called me nigger was what he said when he was drafted and he refused to go. So oh, but he didn't say of... I would rather kill a racist cop. No, but they kicked him out of the boxing league for not going to Vietnam. Well, well so, that, so, and that's why he said he didn't go. So that this is when he's he's recording uh, Kwame Ture or uh, Stokely Carmichael's speech, and they hear him say, "I'd rather kill the, I'd rather see the killing of a racist cop." Oh, Stokely Carmichael me. says that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Then, okay, right. Right. And then Adam Driver's character other, utterly dismisses it. He's just right. like, ah, he's, he was just talking rhetoric. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Well, I. Yeah. I mean, that's. I. Again, it's another thing where I was watching the movie. I was like, oh, they're gonna. They're gonna latch onto something that Stokely, Stokely Carmichael says. But I love that. You know, we have a white character saying, yeah, let's put it in perspective. Like that was really uh, cool. Okay. That was a cool okay. reaction. I also really yeah. appreciated. Like that, his boss that that super, like that guy is an awesome. He looks like an a super. He looks like Michael Keaton's grandfather. Like yeah, the guy he's on Fargo is that same character. I love that they, guy. He was right. awesome, and I really like uh, Robert Robert John Burke. I think. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I because he has a serial killer name. Uh, yeah. And I, I yeah. loved that he and there was the the sort of the more ineffectual sergeant guy with the mustache that they weren't racist that they were doing their jobs like i liked that yeah everybody that it wasn't making this point that ah, all cops are every racist. white guy yeah or that even yeah. every white guy was racist so i like that he that there was just the one i mean i don't know how realistic it would have, but i, I like that there was just the one racist cop being a jerk but that otherwise you know even people who were giving him guff 
they were giving him the same guff that a white rookie would get, I think. Sure. Uh, but that I, Adam Driver was the only one of those in the Steve Buscemi guy where they felt like textured people as opposed to like people laughing at Robin Williams' monologues in Good Morning Vietnam. Like they weren't individualized. Right, out. right. Although I did like the Robert John Burke fellow, like the boss guy. Like he, yeah. he, he wasn't connecting with him personally because he was their boss. Uh, but he also was willing to listen. And he was willing to give him a yeah. chance. And he, he didn't dismiss him because he was black. Uh, we weren't sure whether he was the villain or not, like, because he seemed like, yeah, we, those Black Panthers are out of control. Biggest threat right. to humanity. Well, the Black Panthers were, I mean, it, they were a thorn in the side of the civil rights movement as, right. as well, because, I mean, the whole Malcolm X thing is because the civil rights movement was founded, the Martin right. Luther King, on nonviolence. And understandably, there were blacks, including Stokely Carmichael, who were like, no, we can't, this whole right. turn the other cheek is only going to get us so far. Not everybody went as far as Malcolm X did, but uh, this is a purely benign Black Panthers depiction. Like, no, it, it is pretty much. Right. But, well, it, well, it all right, exactly. Uh, and I, you know, the Black Panthers had their place, and they certainly stepped over the line, and at times really made it more difficult for the civil rights movement. Uh, but I, I, I did but I like, get it. and it's I did like surprising. though that that they that if that that Stokely Carmichael comment wasn't just scrubbed out of there. Uh, that it was put in there, and we have a white character telling us, you know, let's have some perspective on that. Uh, I did appreciate yeah. that. So, well, the the interesting thing at the end of "Do the Right Thing" is that it it's the very end has a quote by Martin uh, Luther King Jr. talking about nonviolence, and followed by a quote from Malcolm X, where he's saying, "Look, I I don't believe in using violence in an active way, but I do believe that we can defend ourselves with violence." And so I think this, by any means necessary, characterization of him is um, a little different than some of the things he actually said. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Kelly, one, you like – because I've never seen the, the movie, the Spike Lee Malcolm X biopic. You like that? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I do love I, it. I do too, and, and oh. there's this – there's – you know, it's – it's hard to watch because uh, it's so long and there's that yeah, whole it's weird thing that, he, you know, he went through with Norman, Norman Jewison, who who wanted to make the movie and he wrestled it away from him. Um, but there is that difference in what you were just talking about as far as, as a, there's a sequence in the movie where he's like, has a white person ever done something nice for you? Or so has a white person ever not been bad to you? Um, and then there's this flashbacks of, of all the things, including Karen Allen, who's just shows up in the movie, uh, just being abusive and abusive and abusive and abusive. Um, and so what you were talking about as far as John David, no, uh, Robert, Robert John Burke's character, not, and everybody not being a racist cop in this movie is a definite shift in, as far as the difference between this and the way Malcolm X was that all white people are terrible. Right. Right. Basically. Yeah. Cause there's a scene in Malcolm X where a girl, a co-ed comes up to Malcolm X and she goes, Hey, is there anything that white people like me can do to fight racism and help you? And he goes, Nope. And he keeps walking. <laughs> yep. And then all the, I was like, what are the, everyone around me was black in the audience and they all clapped at that. And I went, ah, that's a pretty good line. Yeah. <laughs> did, did they say shut up fool to you? I didn't say anything. I was scared. <laughs> But uh, I was kind of enjoying watching it with it. I was like, yeah, Malcolm X, bitches. <laughs> Opening day. Um, but Denzel's really good at it. And there's like, I don't know, there's, and Spike Lee's in it. He's like a character. He's like his little Joe Pesci sidekick character. 
That really the, like the barrier the barrier for me stuff. is it's you know watching a three hour biopic. I biopics are already yeah, hard enough I hate for me bi- to watch. Long know, biopics are even worse. Yeah. That's what and, I'm saying. And I hate I hate biotip at least as much as you do, and I still like Malcolm X, so that's Okay. Right. But I, and I the think worst, I should read the book. Biopics are hard, long biopics are even more difficult. Turgidly reverent long biopics are the worst. And that's that's what I'm worried that, that Malcolm no. X. It, okay. it well, actually it yeah. actually is. I mean there's there's yeah. this there there are these sequences like in where he's getting lie put on his hair and he's like, does it, does it make me look more white? Does it make my hair look more white? And uh, for me, the, the, the huge pheasant feather sticking out of Spike Lee's hat in his zoot suit is a little too much for me. <laughs> oh, See, that's fun. Oh, huggy bear. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's another period piece, Tom. Okay. Like period piece, just like your favorite, uh, the uh, Beguiled. That's my favorite period piece. I don't know. I might not disagree with that, Kelly Wan. I'm okay with that. Wow, good ones. The not the Clint Eastwood one though. Heavens no. Uh, Uh, Let's do a three by three next week. Really? Yeah. Why don't you give the listeners a step up on what the topic will be in case they want to write in? Oh, that's Uh, clever. But we've already done stairs. So this is. You can step up on a ladder, Dingus. Come on. Step ladders. So these are your favorite ladders in movies. All right. Uh, Dingus rung me up the other day to tell me what the topic was. Oh, I should have let Kelly Wan do it. The segue. Very good, Kelly Wan. Yeah. Mm. If you're listening and you're like, oh, I know a cool ladder scene in a movie, send it to, and you can send one, two, or three. We do three because we're professionals. We've had a lot of training for this. Don't feel obligated to come up with three. If you just got a good one, send it in. If you got a mediocre one, send that in. Uh, send it to 3x3 at quarter to three dot com. Make sure we get it by midnight, August 26th, midnight Pacific, and we will read it on the air. Also, uh, you can come up with two if you want. Uh, And just a reminder to Kelly Wand and to me, because I sometimes forget, we will each uh, be watching a movie this week that we will talk about before the 3x3. It's it's not just a 3x3, it's three three movies and then a 3x3. So basically it's a 4x3. It's a Uh 12-er. Mm. Math, see? Join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Murkowski. It's Christian Murkowski. And Kelly Wand. Also, uh, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith uh, infiltrated the KKK in Bad Boys 2. Also in Blazing Saddles, they uh, traded it. Gene Wilder was white, so he was like... I'd prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Also, Bugs and Porky infiltrated the uh, KKK. Do we always have to talk politics? I thought we were talking about animation. (laughs) Woo! Gotcha!